we're back. Welcome to Queers and Qualms. This is Sajara, and I have my co-host here. Yasmin, what's up, y'all? We're back. We're back with another episode of Queers and Qualms. Thanks for joining us on this uh, another beautiful Sunday, if you're listening on release yeah, day. I don't definitely. know what day it is in our future <laughs> land, but you guys are listening. Yeah. And thanks, everyone, who is listening regularly. And if this is the first episode that you tuned into, uh, we're happy to have you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We love new listeners. We love returning listeners, and we're super excited. We're really moving along in this season. Um, we've got some more good content for you guys, and I ask it all the time. I'm gonna ask it in the beginning. Make sure you guys like, follow, and subscribe. Make sure. Yeah, I'm just gonna, cause it makes me feel good. It makes me feel nice. <laughs> and you know what it does for me, Yasmin? It increases my mental health. And wow, what a great mm-hmm. <laughs> transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, it makes me feel good. And feeling good is important to your mental health. So obviously today we're going to be talking about mental health. Um, and that's a super big, broad topic. So we're going to kind of be focusing on how mental health affects um, your relationships how mental health affects your athletics us being um athletes we're going to talk a lot about mental health in sports um we're going to talk about uh ways to practice good mental health practices and mental strength and so we're going to get a little bit into body image as well so mm-hmm. we've got a loaded episode loaded. we definitely want to talk about um the positive parts about mental health and some of the struggles that specifically athletes and black women go through in stressful situations and how to maintain a positive outlook and mindset and how that positive mental health affects everything in your life. Yeah, absolutely. We're super excited to share with you guys. And, you know, it just occurred to me off the top of my head. We're not experts and this is not medical advice. No, this is just our experience based on, you know, uh, being athletes for however long, however many combined years we've been athletes for a long time. Black women our whole life. Yeah. So (laughs) that has a lot lot of experience being black and being female. So this is our viewpoint and we want to share with you guys. And if you guys have any questions about any of our practices or anything we talk about in this episode, we love for you guys to DM us, email us, let us know what you guys think about your own, um, mental health practices and yeah, let's just jump right into it. Um, how does mental health affect your day-to-day life? Like, why is it important to keep positive mental health practices? I mean, super, super important to keep positive mental health uh, practices, especially because, like, mental health affects your everyday life in the sense that, like, I, I believe that everyone has sort of a core ego, a core self-image. Mm-hmm. And how you view your self-image will certainly affect your relationships, your yep. career, your day-to-day experiences and interactions with other people. So I think when you have... Your a, self-esteem. Yeah, your self-esteem. When you have a more positive self-image and a more healthy self-image, um, I would imagine that your day-to-day life is not easier because life is but freaking hard. But it's positively reflected. But yeah, you, can, you can roll through the punches differently, I think, when you have... Because life is going to give it to you no matter what. So I think having that positive self-image and good self-esteem yeah. sort of helps yeah. when life gives you, you know, lemons. And I think it's important, too, to note that these are practices. These are things that you like have to actively work towards like having a positive like 
in self-image or having positive mental health practices doesn't always directly equate to being happy all the time mm-hmm. or you know it doesn't fix your problems a lot of times but I think it can definitely help you look at situations objectively and definitely take care of yourself mm-hmm. because honestly if you're not taking care of your vessel you're not going to be successful in whatever endeavor it is that you do. And I think that that at the most basic level, like physically, mm-hmm. if you're not physically taking your like taking care of your body, how are you going to expect your body to go through your day to day life right. and function at 100 percent? And that's the same for mental. If you're not taking care of your mental health, you can't expect your mental mentality to keep up with your busy mm-hmm day-to-day running around like the problems the good stuff and everything in between yeah so it's definitely a balance yeah and then like it's maybe maybe a little off topic but like uh immediately i thought of like you know a lot of people think mental health and physical health are two different things but i think the two actually parallel yeah i think when you take care of yourself mentally you're more encouraged to want to take care of yourself physically i think that's absolutely true absolutely when you take care of yourself physically i think it has a positive reflection on on how you view yourself mentally and emotionally yeah um and so a lot of people like you know like view us as athletes but i think one of the things that I think sort of helps off the rip is making sure that understanding that mental and physical health are sometimes very parallel. No, definitely intertwine a lot. And I definitely know of people who use um, physical outlets or their physical outlet directly reflects in a positive mental health like journey. Like a lot of people say, you know, um, they when they start working out, it you know, it definitely releases positive endorphins that can um, help you think clearer they can help like brain fog they can help you just get into a good mood like I know for me if I don't work out or physically move my body around for a couple of days I start literally it manifests itself in anxious movement anxious thought thoughts like if I don't release all of that pent-up energy that I have it automatically is reflecting in my thoughts yeah so yeah yeah, they definitely intertwine definitely I don't want to sound like a jock too but people tell me that all the time like like you know what do you do for mental health like one of the first things I do when I'm feeling down is exercise and I know people are like womp womp but it's it's true like just even going for a walk like think about the how much better you feel thank you Mm -hmm. you don't have to be working out to feel better but just physically moving your body um certainly going on a bike ride yeah you know all that stuff physical movement definitely for sure uh, makes me feel better and i think uh, as someone who does a combat sport like Mm -hmm. definitely uh uh, some of that pent-up anger and aggression i i am able to let out and I think a lot of the times, too, when, when you have pent-up energy, you want to put it in certain places. And if you don't have that place to put it into, it can become negative. Yeah. Like, you have a kid with a lot of energy. What do you do? You tell them to go run outside or go play. And so, like, physical and mental, I mean, your body, brain, your brain is part of your body. Certainly. So it's it, the biggest muscle yeah. Or at least the most functioning muscle in your body. And interestingly enough, um, it, it, that's one of the uh, motives that got me into martial arts was I was going to a therapist. I was in my early 20s. I was going to a therapist. I had a lot of anger issues. I had a lot of uh, emotional turmoil. 
And one of the things she recommended to me was to pick up a physical hobby. Nice. And what I picked up was cardio kickboxing after work, which led to jujitsu, which led to MMA, which led to here we are. Your career. Yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah. started a career path. But it, the suggestion started in the therapist's office where we I obviously had these other practices and other different little homework assignments she was giving me for my mental health. But one of them was you need to do something to physically get some of this tension out of you. Is there anything? And she was like, to try anything. She was like, play basketball or go for a walk or try something. Mm. And one of the things I tried was a kickboxing class. And the rest is history. Yeah, literally the rest is history. Yeah. And um, when you take care of your own mental health, I definitely feel like it reflects in other parts of your life, like your relationships mm -hmm. with people. Like if you are in a positive state of mind and you're in a relationship with someone, whether it's romantic or platonic, you're going to be able to give more to that relationship because you have more to give. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're struggling with a uh, mental health crisis or like just any sort of like struggling mentally, it's hard to, to um, give to the things in your life that need your attention. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not to say that you have to even, like if you're struggling mentally and you don't have the energy to give to the relationships into your in your life, that's okay. Yeah. Everyone has been in a place where they like I feel like that has been the case, but it's also just recognizing that and trying to find a way to communicate that and then also working to uh you know put yourself in a better place so that you know you can give to your relationships and your relationships will then give back to you in a positive way exactly like um selflessness like mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be getting too much into some of the strategies for maintaining a good mental health but something i've been learning over the last couple of years is um, I, I find that I'm more fulfilled mentally, emotionally when I'm helping other people yep. where for years, I mean, in my twenties, I, I super selfish. I don't think I, I like, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm that's the me. time to be selfish though. Yeah. In your twenties. Yeah, <laughs> but I felt like even now I'm just using martial arts as an example. I love training martial arts. I love competing in martial arts, but I find a lot of fulfillment now from teaching martial arts right. and sharing what I know with mm -hmm. other people. And I, I was almost surprised to see how fulfilled and happy I was coming out of a class I was teaching. You know, I have a lot of personal stresses going on in my life. And sometimes when I'm training for myself, I'm still thinking about my right. personal issues. Mm -hmm. But when I'm teaching a jujitsu class, I, I, I'm no longer focused on anything but sharing my knowledge with the people who are here and giving my attention to the people who are here. And I looked around and I was like, oh, am I being selfless? And do I feel good about it <laughs> oh my god is wow. that maturity growth oh my god <laughs> so that's a that's another thing that i think is overlooked when it comes to to mental health and self-help yeah. is also opening up yourself to helping others and seeing what you can contribute to yeah. your immediate yeah. friends or family or society and yeah. things like that it's the difference between like looking inward to try to like solve the problem versus like you know getting out you know outward you know what i'm trying to say like basically when you are if you're trying to like fix a problem or something and you're looking inward in your mental health and you're trying to like get to a better mental place you start with you mm -hmm. but sometimes a lot of times it's going through the motions 
mm-hmm. and that will and then sometimes the feeling of that like of going through the motions helps you get into the mentality of that mm-hmm. so you know there's there's two ways you can do it mm-hmm. you know and so i think that's definitely really really interesting point and super helpful yeah and a lot of people don't always take mental health seriously it's like one of those things that's tossed around in athletics but never really spoken about in a logistical way where it's like like there everyone says you should have good mental health practices, but nobody lays out what that means or like, and everyone, when people try to take mental health breaks and mental health days, they're, you know, ostracized and they're, they're called weak or something like that. And I remember very specifically um, getting into this next topic is athletes for specifically black female athletes Mm -hmm. expressing that they are struggling mentally within their sport or whatever it is that they're doing and people not coming out to rally behind that and support people say so much oh mental health mental health is so important and then when you try to say that you're struggling mentally everyone turns their nose up at you turn your nose up at you i, I think it's a very layered response i think um and no offense to our laymen but i think a lot of laymen view professional athletes and olympic level athletes as these pillars of mental toughness because yeah because said athletes compete at a higher level i think people kind of and these people have earned their uh, accolades accolades mm-hmm. they've earned this uh sort of level up people look up to these professional athletes but i think what comes along with being a professional athlete and being even collegiate level and olympic level athletes is people sort of automatically assume that you're tougher um and more mentally strong than most other people yeah and that's not always the case not always the case and then you layer that with being a black athlete and a black female athlete and what i think is most interesting about the black female athlete is it's it's doubled because Mm -hmm. you're the athlete and you have that expectation and then there's also this expectation in america that black women are strong are just superhuman we're just meant to be superhuman (laughs) it's literally historically proven that that even today doctors still think that black women aren't as prone to sickness or don't need medical intervention as much as other people can take high levels of pain have higher pain tolerance um and and black women are sort of expected to take abuse both Mm -hmm. mentally and physically in ways that most other people are not expected to so when you take a black woman and an athlete you put them together people are almost cold-hearted in what they expect Mm -hmm. these women to be like they Mm -hmm. expect you to be like stone cold badass impenetrable and how dare you like have a mental health day or how dare you have anxiety or how dare you not be the pillar of mental health perfection a great example of that is naomi osaka Mm -hmm. who is a tennis player she plays on the tour she if she's not number one right now she has been and probably will be again um yeah she took off some of the major tournaments in the year uh, 2020 and 2021 due to mental health. She's kind of a shy girl. Like she just plays tennis. She likes to play tennis. And, you know, she's on this tour where she's expected to um, be this image of what a tennis player is supposed to be when realistically she's like, I'm just good at tennis and I'm here to play tennis. But they want her to do interviews. They want her to show appearances. She's got to say this, she's got to say that. And if she doesn't say those things, then it's all this hubbub on um, in the media. And so in a, a couple of the tournaments, she was like, I don't really understand why I need to be um, 
doing interviews after every single interview I have to do on the court. I have to do on the court and off the court after the match. And she's like, dude, I'm just here to play tennis. And like, I don't really feel like like speaking publicly is a strong suit for me. Like, I don't really feel like, you know, I don't have much to say in these interviews. And so she opted to not do, she said, I don't want to do the interview. And so when that happens, obviously in most sports, I think if you don't do your post like match interview, you get fined. And she was like, I'm perfectly fine with being fined. I make a lot of money. It's no problem. But for my mental, I want to stay mentally focused on this tennis tournament, Mm -hmm. which is what I'm here to do. I don't want to be distracted by all the media of it. The the league made a huge deal about it. They were like, you can't play. Mm -hmm. You can't do this. You can't do that. And like, she literally was like, you know what? Fine then. Mm -hmm. I won't play. Mm -hmm. As the number one woman in the world. I won't play in y'all little tournaments because you won't take me and my mental health and my mental practices seriously. Mm-hmm. And it, it it was a huge hubbub. I don't even think she's played in a major since before 2020. I'm um, I could be wrong, but she she hasn't played in a while. I like um, googling while in the middle of us recording. <laughs> trying to, not like Google is like the epitome of information or whatever. But actually, so so we record in advance for those of you guys. But as of this recording, it's March twentieth. Um, just two days ago, Naomi Osaka yeah, no. was booed out of the Indian Wells tournament. They they literally heckled her to tears. Yes, to just tears. two days ago. I'm, I'm I'm this is information I'm finding out right now. Oh guys. yeah, I, I I was I don't think I was watching that match like live, but I definitely heard about it as soon as it happened. And um, not to sit here and and say that you know Naomi Osaka shouldn't be like shouldn't be expressing emotion on the court, but. A lot of that was rooted in the history of the tournament Indian Wells, which was the same tournament that's which the tournament, mind you, is in it's in California, it's on the U.S. soil Good where they United booed States. where they booed Serena and Venus off the court nearly booed them when they first made their debut at Indian Wells uh, years ago, and it was the and it was you know. People who follow tennis know about it, and people who are Serena and Venus fans know about it. But that's not a a common story, right? And so I remember reading an article about her saying, like, yeah, that brought out traumatic memories for me. I remember being a little black girl watching the first Mm -hmm. famous black female tennis player get booed in her own country off the court and now her own years and years and years later it's happening to me Mm -hmm. as a black female athlete i definitely see how that could be stressful i mean someone who already is dealing with anxiety around being like a headliner in the media for that to happen is just outrageous yeah and 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 so i'm of course i i I probably should do my research before we start but i like to do it because it feels fresh to me yeah it looks like uh 2001 the venus the venus and serena were booed off the court because venus withdrew from their semi-final match with a knee injury it's like we can't even be physically hurt you know you know you know and here's the thing 
now I'm upset. As a <laughs> now athlete, I'm mad. Because <laughs> as a professional athlete, I'm not nearly the level of fame or even, I want to say, athletic skill skill wise of I'm nowhere near the Williams sisters or New England soccer. I could fight. You know what I mean? I could fight. But I'm not nearly the type of professional athlete that the Williams sisters are in Naomi Osaka. And I've experienced similar things as a fighter. It just feels like as an athlete, fans want you to die for them. Like fans of these sports, these people who sit in the stands never picked up a tennis racket. Nope. The same people who we were just probably encouraging to take a walk around the block. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The same people who couldn't get up and probably touch their toes if their life depended on it are booing and it's just it's another subset of like even you can't even be physically injured with some of these fans like 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 seriously like what more do you want from these athletes right like we play multiple times a year we're playing for your entertainment we're going through all the post-match interviews we're trying to say what we think you want to hear and a lot of that is very physically and mentally taxing we're over here trying to focus on mind you and that's their job their their job is to go out and win tennis tournaments their job isn't really to entertain you that just so happens to be what you're interested in right and so when when all this other extra shit is like expected of athletes to do how could you not expect them to be out out here on the mental breaking point Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. they're really over here trying to focus on like maintaining their record winning whatever whatever sport it is and, and then you have to deal with a bunch of people who have no idea what they're talking about judging you because you're on a big main stage. Right, right. And I think the thing that happens when people are fans and you have these, um, what, what, what do they call it? Like crowd, you know, when people get in crowds, they, you know, whatever. I can't think of the term right now. But the, the thing about sports fans is I feel like these masses of people think that these athletes are there for their personal entertainment. And then they're like, well, you you get paid to do it. It's your job. And and I think you said it perfectly. No, I, I get paid by this. Like, I'm, like, I'll use myself. I get paid by the UFC. And I get paid to make weight in, within a certain amount and then step into the octagon. That's it. That's it. I don't get paid to, I don't get paid extra. UFC doesn't give me extra for how entertaining I am. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't pay me extra if, if the fans think no you get paid extra when you win right so i get paid to win and i think fans think like because you're a professional athlete or because you're an olympian or because you're on full scholarship at a school your job is to entertain us no my job is what i'm contractually obligated to fulfill Mm -hmm. and there is nothing in my contractual obligations that says y'all have to like me or you have to enjoy me exactly and 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 i i think that's where it starts to get uh, really muddled in society where, where people think like I, especially in you know you you would think a sport like tennis which is supposed to be sophisticated you would think no and in california that's supposed to be mm. so liberal and leftist they like booed to tears just two days ago like yeah it's ridiculous it, yeah we're and, not here for that yeah and this reminds me too of uh last summer's olympics when Simone Biles, mm-hmm. the best gymnast to ever live, the most accolades, the hardest skills, the best, like, the literally crowned the best woman, like, the best gymnast to ever live, male or female. 
in their second Olympics, she's in her second Olympics, already went to the Olympics in 2016 and won like four gold and one bronze medal. Like goes back to the Olympics for the fun of it at this point. She's Mm -hmm. won all the things. She's got all the accolades. She's the best on every event. Like, and everyone in the world knows it. She went to the, her second Olympics because she wanted to Mm -hmm. not for America Nope. Not for the fans to entertain her because she felt like Not she wasn't done with gymnastics because you ain't getting paid mm-hmm. for that. And what happened when she got to the Olympics, mind you, this is an Olympics after an entire year of a global pandemic, the Olympics that was been pushed back a year, all the preparation, all messed up. They're going into Japan that has super strict COVID laws and she gets to the Olympics and she basically has a mental breakdown where I don't I don't know if many of you know this um but obviously as an ex-gymnast I know gymnastics is a very very mental sport and if you're not mentally on point it is very dangerous and so Mm -hmm. she was having a mental block in her gymnastics where she was in the air and getting lost and not knowing where she was in the air and that's extremely dangerous because you could come down on your head you come down on your head you come down break your knees Anything can happen. And a lot of it, like, obviously, gymnasts train every day. They train a lot of the same skills They to, to like, not have that happen. But when you're somewhere and there's so much mental stress surrounding this one event, and then you're there and you're the favorite to win gold on every event. The pressure. The, the pressure. And I think what really happened is she said she withdrew from – majority of the Olympic competition because she was dealing with real life mental mental stressors that were putting her in danger. And the craziest thing to me is people were livid. Livid. People were not like, oh, I hope she's okay. I hope she's getting the help that she needs. People were livid. I can't believe she's turning her back on her teammates in America. In America. Like, Like, Okay. Okay. Right. The, the worst thing I heard was like, she's un-American. I'm like, she's un-American. She ain't at the, like, okay, she's she's competing for the American Olympic team, but she ain't at the Olympics for no America. She's at the Olympics for herself. She didn't even really need to be there. She had already since, been to one. Since when does my citizenship have anything to do with what I do in my spare time? Since when is my, that's what, it, that's what I'm talking about, being a black woman, that, that her born natural you like okay correct me if i'm wrong but in this country when you're born in this country you're a citizen and once you're an american citizen you have certain you're not inalienable rights and let me take away your actual rights because you don't want to participate in your sport that you do, that you spent your life That with. one, that also, you don't bonkers. get paid to go to the Olympics in do gymnastics. Not get paid. Actually, you don't. S- side note, actually, America treats their, pays their, they, they get like a per diem or a stipend or mm. some kind of winning prize money. Like most, America pays their Olympic athletes the worst out of mm. most other countries. And we're just expected to be the worst. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of Olympic athletes. If you go in there and search, I'm not going to, I'm not searching right now, but there's definitely been a lot of Olympic athletes that say America doesn't send us to the Olympics. We send ourselves. Yeah. Um, we, we don't. And there are other athletes other than Simone Biles have openly said that like the United States is the only country that don't send their athletes to the Olympics. They, most of these athletes have to get themselves there. Mm. And then America, what does America do? 
Ooh, look at our new gold medalist. Look at our new gold medalist. Ooh, they love to be on the Today Show. And Ooh. <laughs> right. And so what bothered me so much about it was the reaction of, like, the fan base and the reaction of, like, people to say that, like, okay, sure, I was disappointed that I didn't get to see Simone Biles perform because that's what I wanted to see. Now, am I calling her weak and her turning her back on her teammates and being un-American for something that literally would physically put her in danger if she tried to do? People are like, she's not trying hard enough. She could do it if she wanted. Uh, let me see you do a backflip. Let me see you do a backflip. Not even backflip. Let me see you do a back roll. <laughs> like, let me see, like, literally. Let me see. Can I see a cartwheel? And, a round off. Right. And, right. and these things that you likely couldn't hurt yourself seriously, you're likely going to be scared to do them. And so, like, and, and people don't even take into account the, like, just level of stress and pressure it is to be an athlete at that caliber Mm -hmm. of athletics especially when you're expected to win and be perfect it's very taxing mentally to uphold that image and that expectation from everyone and then when you don't perform the way that people are expecting you to they're people are outraged Outraged. and it's in that's literally disheartening Mm -hmm. to be an athlete or to be someone who is an aspiring athlete even to know that you know if i say that i am not feeling mentally stable enough to do what i need to do that i'm gonna basically be tossed away like i don't matter right like you don't matter and one of the other things i found to be kind of interesting in the simone biles story which I think a lot of people overlooked was in the middle of everyone unnecessarily dragging Simone Biles, she paved the way for her teammate to win gold. Exactly. And that girl, I think, was like the first Asian American yeah, or the first Pacific Asian or Pacific Islander to ever win a gold medal yeah. in that in that particular event. And so she led her team to a silver ma- to a silver team medal. Right. So meanwhile, I'm thinking about. Not only was I thinking about Simone Biles and what she must be going through, but I thought about what about her teammate? Mm, Who's her like, teammates? Her teammates. These these other women who are also out there busting they ass for the thing that they love to do. And there's no support at all. Right. Like, and like, now the whole story is about Simone Biles not competing and not the rest of the team coming through and pulling out a, a silver medal. Yeah. And you feel like your accomplishments are tainted based on the circumstances that happen to happen yeah. and not only around that, the, that time america is so hypocritical they love to be like oh usa usa okay instead of bashing one american for not being american enough why not approach the whole system like the whole situation with positivity simone biles isn't going to compete i wish her the best but now there's another american Who's going to win gold medal? And let's praise let's praise them both for right. being the two baddest yeah. MFers and in being gymnastics. strong enough to verbalize that she felt like this. There's oh been goodness, so right. many athletes who have put themselves in such like mental strain and physical danger from trying to push, 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 and mm-hmm. never like never even. Like looking at their situation and being like, maybe I should take a break. Maybe I There's should. There's so many athletes who are so, like who are literally should 
and put themselves in dangerous positions to get injured, mm-hmm. to hurt themselves or someone else mm-hmm. um, in team sports and stuff like that because they feel obligated. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we shouldn't make people feel obligated to to ignore their mental health and ignore part of their body that's calling to them that's saying that you need a break yes absolutely and and i haven't actually haven't talked about this before but and this was part of my own um desire to be tough and Mm -hmm. i think it was multi-layered but a lot of times too these athletes uh, put themselves in physical harm with thinking of other people they're like in one of the recent years, I took four fights in, in nine months, which mm. is a long time. And I remember coming up into my fourth fight in that time span. I was like, bro, I'm running out of steam. Like, just physically. Like, yeah, I, that's hard. <laughs> like, uh, most people fight, <laughs> and to put it in perspective, most people fight once to twice a year yeah. in the UFC. And, and I did four in nine months. Mm. And, and one of those fights was in Abu Dhabi. So think about the travel on top of that. The so, times change. Yeah. And in the last fight in the year, in that nine months, pardon me, I came into the fight thinking like, like I'm out of steam. Mm. But I also had the mentality, I can't say no because there's going to be repercussions. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna blacklist me and not let me fight for the next couple of six months. People are going to call me a coward for pulling out. People aren't going to believe me if I tell them I'm injured. And I went into one of those fights with a back injury. Two weeks before the fight, I should have been working out and doing what I was supposed to do. I couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I had thrown my back out so bad, I literally couldn't get out of bed without being in extreme pain. And I'm 14 days from a fight. And I spent the next 14 days just trying to actually physically. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine how that affected your mentality going into the fight. The mentality. I certainly lost that fight. <laughs> I right. lost. And it was, and, it, and it's just, and I think about it and not to be like me, 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 but I think if, if I had, there, there were repercussions to that. I ended up losing the fight, which means I ended up losing some money. I put myself in physical danger. I remember being in the fight and my back was freaking killing me. And, uh, and I just thought if, if I felt that much stress in the situation I, I'm in, imagine being Venus Williams at Indian Wells and having to pull out over a knee injury. Mm. Should I pull out? Do I do it? Imagine being in prioritizing yourself. Yeah. And then imagine people the kind of stress. flipping the fuck out over it. Yeah. Flipping it's ridiculous. Out. Cause especially cause you're like, I'm in the UFC. Like, you know, <laughs> I still don't think it's a super, it's not a household thing yeah, I'm not, I mean, you know it is so imagine a being a household name yeah. or a household sport when there's so many more eyeballs on you mm-hmm. it's just this ugh, I, we can go on and on about how much i hate the way people treat athletes yeah definitely so now that we've kind of like given some examples of some negative ways of of like doing mental um well i wouldn't even say those are negative honestly i am really happy for these athletes and even myself like that they were able to if anything start a conversation Mm -hmm. if any like like they weren't received as well as I think they should have been Mm -hmm. but at least they were able to start a conversation about the importance of mental health specifically in athletics and their experience within like just their experience as an athlete and as a black female athlete but with all that being said and knowing the stresses of being a high level athlete and but also just the stress of life and things going around in the world we're in the middle of a huge 
Like we're still, despite what people say, in the middle of a global pandemic. We're near. We're nearly in the middle of World War Three, and there's so much going on in everyone's lives. People are trying to get people back into work. People got kids. Everything with everything going on in your life. How do you prioritize your mental health? What do you do? And this is not a rhetorical question. I'm actually asking, what do you do to prioritize your mental health and, and like of any practices that you do on a day-to-day basis that, that help you keep a positive frame of mind? Also, um, good one. Um, I think like mental health is obviously an ongoing thing. You Mm. have to exercise your mental health just like you do your body. I've already said it before. I think my physical, when I practice good physical health, it sort of reflects. So some of the things I do specifically for mental health is I'm, I'm big on faith and spirituality. Mm-hmm. I, I'm big on pray, prayer, y'all. I get down and pray. And and I think people think of prayer as a traditional, like, get down on your knees and pray to, like, Jesus. Yeah. And I don't think that's it. that prayer has to be that specific. I think prayer is any time that I think meditation is a form of prayer. I think any time that you can sort of be in a quiet space and think about the things that make you happy and the sort of goals and desires that you have Mm. in life and you're able to think them or say them in a repetitive manner like that's yeah the millennials would call that manifest oh (laughs) yeah yes man to manifest manifesting that's a good one why not say that because some (laughs) prayer manifesting yeah meditation i'm big on that i'm big on and it's it's easier said than done like there's been times i'm like i'm gonna pray every night and every morning and that's not true sometimes yeah, i get up but in the morning why put, but, uh, <laughs> but i'm putting know, stress on it right? yeah now now if that's something if your mental health practice is something that's stressing you out maybe maybe you should change your mental health like, practice maybe i'll just pray when i feel like yeah it. i mean and that I'll is manifest. a start you exactly. know what i mean that is a start and i think for me one thing i like to do is i like to remove myself from like obviously whatever it is that's stressing me out and that's easier said than done if it's like life is stressing me out which a lot of times you know but the things in life first of all identify if you can identify what it is that's stressing you out Mm -hmm. and and try to then uh work if it's something that is uh, removable from your life then obviously that's easy Mm -hmm. remove it from your life now, if it's something like, oh, my job that I can't quit is stressing me out, something that I have to do on a daily basis, you might be in the circumstances when you're not able to quit. Yeah. So then you have to turn, you have to, how do I combat that in my off time to make sure that I'm still prioritizing my mental health when I have to be at work for 40 hours a week, mm-hmm. right? So something I like to do is completely remove myself from anything related to that stressor turn on turn on do not serve a lot of times i feel um a lot of stress from being overstimulated oh yeah um and that has a lot to do with like an over like being exposed to so much information at once social media news etc etc a lot of that stuff that i feel like i can't control sometimes stresses me out so what i like to do is remove myself from that turn off turn on do not disturb turn off the news like and and really spend time with myself and whether that's reading a book going on a walk listening to some music um but just really taking the time to check in with my body physically and mentally and trying to see if I can figure out what I need in that moment and obviously again easier said than done sometimes you don't know what you need in that Mm -hmm. moment but I think that's definitely helpful And I try, honestly, I try to do it at least like 
once a day, but that's unrealistic for me. I can't really have that time once a day, but ideally I would like to do that once a day. So I try to do it as often as I can. I'll read a book. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of times too, if I'm feeling specifically upset because, um, you know, uh, if I'm feeling specifically upset, if I am able to, I'll try to treat myself to something like I'll go and take myself to Starbucks and get a cake pop. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's something as little as that just might turn around the trajectory of my day. Yeah. You know, I might be like, you know, that shit that happened to me really was upsetting, but I don't want to let it spiral. Mm -hmm. So let me do something for myself to try to get my day back on track, Mm -hmm. you know? And so those are some of the practices that, uh, I do when I'm in the middle of a stressful situation. Mm -hmm. But as for like a day to day routine, I don't have one. But I know that people do. They, yeah. you know, say their morning affirmations. I yeah. see that's a positive, like something that people do yeah. a lot on social media. Yeah, morning affirmations is a big thing. Sticking post-its everywhere is a big thing. I'm a big post-it girl, though. Mm-hmm. Big post-it Just girl. Just that being able to visualize. We can do that. Visual person. Yeah. Writing Beat down. some ass today. Yeah, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm big on that. Uh, and sometimes, like you said, the routine in and of itself can become stressful. And I think by not stressing the routine is good too mm. like it's just impossible to wake up every day with a freaking smile on your face it's like because if it was that easy then we would all we, no, we wouldn't be more. having this conversation yeah you like know <laughs> and um i think like another good buzzword but it's true is one that i like to use is like reframing um i know we we have on here sometimes when people think about image either your mental image of self or your body image of self i'm prone to say negative things about myself too like ugh, I, like i suck at yeah filling oh, the blank. I'm, oh that, I'm, i was so dumb for that or like yeah, yeah negative so language oh like i'm trying to learn spanish and i'm always like ugh, I, i've just never been good at spanish or I'll, I'll never learn spanish and sometimes i'll check myself i'll hear it and i think that's one of the first things that that i try to hear i try to hear those things and um, redirect what i'll try to do is redirect them and if i say it once if i say oh i hate spanish i'll try to redirect it immediately and then say it at least more than once like no i'm just i haven't practiced spanish as much Mm. as i should have or Mm. or i'm it's not that i'm not good at spanish i'm i'm learning something new and it's taking some time Mm. just learning positive vocabulary say it yeah positive self-talk yeah Um, another one that i i did recently that i want to before i forget I was talking to my girlfriend recently and I was like, oh, I hate the way I look in these jeans. And she was like, oh, I hate the way I look in this shirt. And I'm like, you look great. And she was like, you look great. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, imagine if we talk to ourselves, like we talk to each other right. and we both were like, oh, light bulb. Like, yeah. You know? Like yeah. talk to yourself. Like you would, you wouldn't look at, you wouldn't go up to your girlfriend and be like, you look so fat in those jeans. So why would you say it to yourself? I mean, right. if you do, you have, there's another episode for you, but I mean, <laughs> if you wouldn't say that to your girlfriend, why would you say it to yourself? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very valid. Just creating the habit also of positive self-talk because a lot of times it is easy to be like uh, to think that it's not a big deal and offhandedly be like, oh, well, oh, well, I'm dumb or like, you know, I find myself saying that sometimes, too. I'd be like, oh, I'm burnt or like, you know, that's kind of like a joke. But like, realistically, you'll, you'll, you'll do I'll do something dumb and be like, damn, I'm like slow. But, <laughs> you know. It, it's as simple as being instead of saying that, be like, I'm, I made a mistake mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and I'm going to think about it in a positive frame of mind. I'm going to think about this mistake that I made and, and possibly take the learning lesson out of it. Mm-hmm. It's changing your frame of mind mm-hmm. from the negative. Oh, I did something wrong. I suck. And so I did. So I made a mistake. 
Now, what did I learn from it? And mm-hmm. how do I move forward with mm-hmm. that knowledge and not mm-hmm. doing it again? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's definitely very important language. How you speak yeah. to yourself, how you yeah. speak to yourself, reflects into, yeah, how you view yeah. your yourself. Yeah, so definitely. I'm big yeah. on, uh, I'm big on a faith and spirituality too. I really yeah. am. I'm big on spirituality yeah. and not necessarily, I think when people think God and spirituality, I think a lot of people look at like oh, organized religion i don't mm-hmm. think it has to be organized religion but i think um i think people who can find a way to connect to a higher being either via via an organized religion or just through your own spiritual connection i feel like that helps a lot when i hit um moments of frustration or mm-hmm. self-doubt or um times when life is just freaking hard Hard. and it's just you know life is just throwing you all the curveballs like i I like to lean in on that sort of other being and um i think people get like oh well i I don't want to be part of for a long time i was it's not necessarily religion that leads to um good health practices but having a faith in spiritual connection in yeah, with to yourself, something or to yourself ancestors, yeah. whatever it is yeah, yeah the ancestors the universe mm-hmm. the the, yeah. the trees so. i have never been to therapy but i know that it's very largely recommended and I honestly i want to go to therapy oh. i just haven't really had the time to sit down and like really like find a therapist and and someone who i would connect with but I always, having never been to therapy, I always recommend it because (laughs) (laughs) I feel like what harm could it do, honestly? Like having someone to look at or and speak about things objectively from outside perspective can definitely give you some sort of uh, different frame of reference. Just Mm -hmm. like can can notice things that you might notice, not notice about yourself and, Mm -hmm. and help you create that, uh, quote unquote routine because like it doesn't always have yeah. to be routine but help you create those practices mm-hmm. that keep you in a positive frame of mind yeah and and I said ooh, I love therapy like I go I don't even have a therapist right now um <laughs> but I have been to therapy before and I do enjoy and I have enjoyed going to um a, th- a therapist that I trust actually me and my partner had just started uh couples therapy recently um, and not to, so here's the thing. Everyone's like, Ooh, which could be a little off topic, but like, mo- I think most people think you go to couples therapy when things are bad. No, we, we decided to go to couple therapy because things were great. Honestly, yeah, it was almost like, too good. There's yeah. I was like, something's going on. Going on. <laughs> Let's keep digging. There's <laughs> it's bound honeymoon, to find something. This honeymoon is still, but we were, we were also to a point in our relationship where things get started to get serious and we mm-hmm. wanted to move to the next level of our relationship. And we're like, well, our foundation's good. Let's keep it that way. Right. Like, let's see. And you know, our therapist, um, we only went to one session so far, so I could be a little ahead of the game, mm-hmm. but like our, our therapist asked us questions that made us think, what do you, what are your views on children? What are your views on marriage? Like, and make and you so, talk too. Yeah. We talked about things that we just hadn't thought about organically. And I think going to therapy, you know, on your own, I think, especially if you can find a good therapist whom you trust, mm-hmm. if you go to a therapy session, you know, cause I've also been to therapy and I've been like, this chick don't know what this she's talking about. Does, she does not know what the hell she's talking about. And I have left and never returned. No yeah. call, no show. Don't call me back. You can't help me. <laughs> no, ma'am. But when you get a good one, um, I think therapy is good, which, you know, we have here too. Like, you know, what is it about, you know, black people's aversion to therapy? 
I mean, yeah, it's rooted in, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's rooted in black people kind of supposed to be strong, supposed to deal with trauma better. The like black people are inherently mentally and physically stronger. And I think that has a lot to do with it. And also black people's mistrust on Western practices and styles Mm -hmm. and which makes sense like medicinal western medicine a lot of times historically has been tested on black people and has had negative effects and i think black people in general have a reason to be skeptical when it comes to western medicine but um it's 2022 and i think we are at the point where we can say therapy will not hurt us yeah and (laughs) if you trust the vaccine you can trust your therapist did nobody say we trusted that don't so plenty i said if you trust the vaccine don't be like i'll take the vaccine but i won't talk about my feelings like you trust your physical self i mean that's also kind of a little dig and black men too specifically have an aversion to super to um therapy because black men are not taught to um verbalize or express their feelings they're taught like provide swallow your feelings be a man having feelings is not manly or no like it, but that's obviously i think we're moving away from that as a generation yeah, and yeah. moving more into just knowing that expressing yourself in, in learning communication skills is very important to the mm-hmm. your own success the success of your relationships your own mental health mm-hmm. and so like go to that couple's therapy go yeah. to the individual therapy like yeah, do yeah. do both if you can if mm-hmm. you're if you can afford it and you got good insurance man like go for it do it because it, it it's definitely introspective yeah and um from from what i heard yeah and i think it's a lot of too like a lot of that ain't nothing wrong with you kind of mentality black That's people love black people mm. i thought that that was me for i was like ain't nothing wrong with me i can figure it out i also thought i was smarter you know but I think that whole mentality, especially for black men, is like, ain't nothing wrong with me. Ain't nothing wrong with you. You didn't have it as bad as I had it, so you should be fine. But yeah, but why compare trauma when we could just heal? Yeah. (laughs) I also think, too, like, I also think, too, like, one, as a generation, as we move more towards self-awareness and um, self-help, like... Um, like I, I kind of sometimes tease like anxiety is kind of a buzzword is kind of a fad, but just the fact that we're talking about it already means that as a generation, as a society, we're moving more towards yeah. mental health awareness. Yep. But I think as far as especially awareness black people, is the first step. awareness, yeah, first step is admitting you have a problem. Um, <laughs> but I think as, as we grow as a society more towards mental health and awareness, we'll have more doctors of color. Oh yeah. A lot of the reasons I didn't trust a lot of my therapists. Cause I'm like, you ain't black, you ain't a female and you ain't gay. You don't know what I'm talking about. And how do I've never, uh, you know, met a black gay female therapist. It's hard to check all three of those boxes. I think they're out there. I'm sure there are, but exactly. That's like, is she in my health network? I don't even have health insurance. How much is she per hour? Damn. Mm-hmm. So I just think the availability of, and I think that's one of the hurdles that I think we have as black people is I think we're sometimes more receptive when we see other people like us. It, like I think yeah. when you go in. That's completely understandable yeah. also. There's yeah. no white woman who could understand my experience. She and can't. that's just the no. reality of it. No. And so it definitely is helpful to have, uh, you know, someone who looks like you, who has experienced some of the things that you're expressing about uh, be a therapist for you. And there are resources for that. Um, I'm not going to drop them all here. 
but definitely i would say do your own research too do your yeah. own research because you are going to know best what you need and what is in your area and what is available to you so um if you're interested in it i think you should definitely it is an option yeah they have all the apps and stuff now too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i tried better health though yeah. they didn't i couldn't find any gay black ladies on there either yeah well i have a qualm <laughs> Mm. I have a qualm Mm -hmm. and this might be like a subsection of mental health and we've talked a little bit about it um in this episode but like body image body image as a subsector of mental health because of the expectations we've talked about expectations throughout this whole episode what are the standard quote-unquote body images that are projected in the media, how does that, how, like, how are we not supposed to be stressed? And, like, how does this not negatively affect, one, our image, and two, our mental health? Like, I think it does affect us greatly, so. Certainly. Yeah. I think media plays a super large role in body image and mental health. I just think about, like, think about girls are conditioned from almost, the time they're born the womb yeah <laughs> to be aware of their bodies whether negatively or positively right girls and how other people view teens, not only yeah. how you view your body but how other, other people, people view your body yeah i think that body image question is a whole societal shift that mm-hmm. has to happen it has to start with men and women it has to start with parenting at home mm-hmm. and it has to start with, I mean, cause at one point it's like, what comes first? The, you know, they say the artist is the reflection of reality or is mm-hmm. reality reflection of artist or whatever. Like at what point is, you know, I, I think when the masses move towards a common goal, I think the media shifts in a way to reflect Definitely. that. Because I mean, look at the cover of magazines in the eighties where they were all, skinny white women and now now the image is now everybody wants a bbl bbls right <laughs> you know yeah but it's still the image it's still, it's still an Im- yeah it's the, and they're both negative yeah. and then when you don't fit within that image and pe- people ostracize you mm-hmm. they're saying oh you know you're not a you're not a sexy body or you're not beautiful and these beauty standards that like we live in societally definitely affect our yeah. mental health our body image how we view um, the way we're supposed to look versus yeah. the way we do. Yeah, it's hard. I don't even know if I have even an inkling on where to chip away at that. I, I know like when it comes to my, I have a daughter, she'll be five soon. And when I do get the chance to, I, I try to encourage her as often as possible because I know she's going to be judged and viewed at some point. Right. Like I just can't hide her from the world any person with a body any, specifically yeah. woman so i'm always like you're beautiful you're gorgeous you're smart you mm-hmm. can do anything you love yourself look in the mirror who's that you're the bomb like i almost positive rather, words like, yeah like and and i was talking to someone i don't want to name who it is but like they were like aren't you worried about like gassing her head up i was like no because she her head should be gassed I'm, because she's gonna grow up to be 
an Afro-Latina woman of color in this country, and there's going to be millions of people ready to tell her what she's not and what she can't. And so I'm, I'm going to, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. every chance I get, yeah. I'm proud of you. You're like, like, boom, 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 yeah. boom. And then not only me just saying it to her, but I try to encourage her to say it to herself. Mm-hmm. Like, like, ooh, I look pretty today. I'm yes, like, you, yes do, girl. you do. Get it, girl. <laughs> yeah, turn around. Yes, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. because she because she could grow up to be Naomi Osaka and they're going to boo you because you don't want to do an interview, mm-hmm. you know, and I want her to be able to at least be like, well, all right, have a strong m- frame of mind where hopefully that stuff doesn't like affect her as, as much, much you know because yeah. everything is always gonna affect you yeah. and and just to um talk a little bit about the positive self-talk and body image together um one of the practices that i like to use specifically when it comes to body image is that positive self-talk mm-hmm. is that frame of mind because um what some of you may know is that as an athlete and specifically a combat sport athlete, um, you're expected to make a certain weight to be able to compete. Mm -hmm. And that obviously can be stressful and taxing mentally uh, when it comes to body image. Mm -hmm. And so like I try to always, so it manifests in having to keep a strict diet. And I always say out loud to myself and to everyone. And I truly believe that this is true. Like my diet is not a reflection of like how I want my body to look. Mm -hmm. I'm eating healthy for the benefits of my physical being and not the image that I see in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And so I try to avoid say using words like, uh, when talking about like, uh, food or anything like that like good food bad food yeah. like this was a good day of eating versus a bad day of eating because that kind of that puts it way in in the black and white when it's not yeah. like it, especially when you when you know anything about nutrition and body weight you know it fluctuates very often you know you know a lot of the stuff that uh you know can stress you out when getting closer and closer to, to the fight day where you have to hit the scale mm-hmm. so i always try to say like i always try to frame it in a more positive outlook like yeah. i always try to keep that and and not even really talk about the way my body looks rather than the way my body feels mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. i like am looking at myself i'm always like oh yeah like i'm always looking at myself in the mirror you look strong mm-hmm. and to me when i tell myself i look big it's it's a good thing yeah like i'm like you look strong you look big you look you know healthy yeah, yeah. and so i i try to use those words to describe my body image versus you know oh you look skinny or you look you know yeah. oh you lost weight you look good like i hate that oh, yeah. i hate that yeah. especially because like i did lose a lot of weight recently but it wasn't for the image i didn't do it yeah i did it because i started doing a sport and honestly i didn't even try the weight really just came off yeah so and 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 i had so many people comment on my body Mm -hmm. and i didn't take it as a compliment because i'm like like what we need to stop doing as a society is commenting on people's bodies commenting yeah because why like you know whether you gain weight lose weight whatever that could it could be a reflection of something there could be something bigger that you don't even know about that you just opened a can of worms that you're not ready 
that this Absolutely. person isn't ready Absolutely. to deal with and talk about. And so Absolutely. just stop commenting on the way people look in general. Yeah. And I know we don't have a lot of like MMA coaches listening to this podcast. You guys are not in our target demographic anyway. Maybe there are. But as a as a martial artist and, and as a competitive martial artist, it's, it's funny that you said that because I, I feel like the body image issues we have as as athletes that are weight based this is a weight based sport and even in other sports like image is definitely like i'm thinking gymnastics Gymnastics, and figure skating Mm -hmm. things like that um so body image and just athletics and women's athletics is kind of just a thing anyway but like like the thing that happens in martial arts which might not happen to women everywhere but the thing about being a professional athlete men and athletes and teammates feel like they can come up to you and ask you how much you weigh at any time they do that all the time how much do you weigh and I've had to look at some of my coaches, my straight male coaches, and they'll walk right up to me and be like, oh, you're looking like you're a couple of pounds up today. And I'm like, you look like you're a couple of pounds up. You like you're two cheeseburgers away from having a heart attack. So, and I've had to have, and I've had some of them be like, oh, well, Sarge, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the job. I said, me making weight is part of the job, but you, you commenting comment, on my body and how you think that I look or is yeah. not part of yeah. your job description. Yeah. And I think it's a little <laughs> unique to the field. Yeah. Where it's like me, I've had to be with other female, I've been with other female athletes. Like what gives these, we've had talks, other girls that I train with and been like, only in MMA is the only place where a man feels like he can walk up to a woman and ask her how much she weighs. If you were in the street, I would smack you. I would smack you dead <laughs> in the face. Dead in the face. Yeah. And I said, let me go up and ask your mother how much she weighs. Like, yeah. you know, so it, and, and I, I think that your outlook on how you view nutrition and food as an athlete being a couple of years behind me, I think is really mature because it's actually the opposite. Like I, I've been um, a bigger woman my whole life, no matter how you want to describe it. I was 200 pounds when I was 20 years old. I lost a ton of weight in a healthy physical way. And it was similar. I didn't lose weight because I got tired of how I looked. I started competing in martial arts and the way to get more matches was to get in the lower weight class. And so the weight started coming off. It was easy. I want, I lost weight because I wanted better competition. And so like my view on my body had was skewed for so long because mm-hmm. I went from being overweight and called fat and looking at myself as fat or obese. I would go to the doctor and the doctor would tell me based on this white this American chart. chart that you're obese. And I'm looking at myself like I don't feel obese, but OK. And then moving into a professional sport where everything I do is revolved around this scale. I would sometimes look at myself um, for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, there's a flyweight division at 125. There's a bandweight, 135. I would look at myself on the scale at 125 pounds. Mind you, I don't walk at 100. I'm, I'm 125 pounds for two hours. I'm not ever like that weight. But whenever I go back and I look at those pictures, I'm like, I look so good. Like, look at those abs. Yeah, and, and I look at those pictures, and I'm like, you look like a skeleton. Literally. Every <laughs> person I know, Yasmin, my mom, my girlfriend, my Every person that I know looks and goes, no, you look like you escaped an internment camp. Like, yeah. I look, you your can see your cheeks. Literally... I have no <laughs> butt cheeks. You can see your Zach, ribs. Skin. I'm like, I'm like, look at my abs. And everyone's like, you look sick. Yeah. And and then mind you, at 125, I could barely stand. Yeah. It's not like, a healthy way for you to be at. <laughs> but the, the skewed image of, and then when I look at myself, like right now, I'm between camps. I'm sitting and I'm having a hard time even right now as I sit and record this I have to stop myself from looking in the mirror more and going I'm I'm heavy I'm fat mm-hmm. 
and and I have to look at myself and be like, no, actually, you're normal. I'm very normal right now. <laughs> very, and not only not normal, but I'm actually in good shape. I've yeah, got guns. Yeah, you know, I got you know, uh, it like I can yeah. run more miles than most other people yeah. I know. So it's it's mm. very interesting yeah. to hear from you even today what a different mentality you have mm. in a different generation yeah. in the same sport. Mm. And uh, I'm kind of inspired. And loving your body, just like anything else, just like setting those mental health practices and working on your physical and mental health is an ongoing effort. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be one day I just got it. It's never going to be one day I just learned to love myself and I did it every day after that. Nope. It's not going to be like that. It's a constant journey. It's a constant effort. It's something that you should be working towards on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And so, like, moral of the story throughout this whole episode, it's just, like, tailor these things around what you think that you need to be healthy. Stop listening to what other people think that you need to do, how other people think you need to look, mm -hmm. and how other people's mental health practices do tap into yourself mm -hmm. and and get to know yourself and what you need because that is going to be how you find success physically and mentally mm -hmm. learn to love your body every day self-love takes work self-love is the first work. step mm -hmm. yeah amen to that and i think that's that on that yo we'll get that these yeah. these these episodes have been good we're getting a lot of feedback we're really rolling we don't want to oh yeah look that's our time um but we love feedback and suggestions let us know how we're doing guys um we'll put our our qualm of the week we'll put some questions scroll down to the bottom like what what do you think of body image and what do you think of some of the topics that we discussed here today and let us know did we did yeah. we hit did we miss do you want to hear more of that let us know. Mm -hmm. And all, as always, like, comment, subscribe, and follow us on Queers and Qualms uh, on Instagram. And you can go to our website to subscribe at www.queersandqualms.com. And thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll see you in two weeks. Have a good one, guys. Peace. What you want to be? Tell me what you really want to be. Baby, talk to me. want to be? Tell me what you really wanna be, baby. Talk to our and I be but I'll stare at him. You lookin' kinda fuck him over him, madam. Our and I be but I'll stare at him. You lookin' kinda fuck him over him, madam. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Queers and Qualms podcast. This is one of your hosts, Sajara Eubanks. And there's a favor that I have to ask you guys. Yasmin and I are preparing for Waco World. If you're listeners to the show, you know we're both athletes. I'm a professional mixed martial arts fighter. And Yasmin is a budding, aspiring kickboxing fighter. And she's got a big tournament in Ireland in October of 2022. It's called the Waco World Championships. And we're raising money to help Yasmin get to the Waco Worlds. So if you've enjoyed this podcast today, we'd love some support and donation to help Yasmin get to this World Championships in Ireland in October of 2022. Please donate what you can, a dollar, two dollars, um, and subscribe to our podcast as a monthly donation. Plus, you can write it off in your taxes. It's not a subscription. It's not mandatory, but we do appreciate it. Any donation will help. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you at the Wake of Worlds.
coming at you. I wanted to see an attaching, attaching. I just want to see. And so I'm trying to say, be good, safe. Stay calm, stay brave. Gotta fold up the way. And so I'm trying to say, be good, safe. Stay calm, stay brave. Gotta fold up the way. What you wanna be? Tell me what you really wanna be, baby. Talk to me. You wanna be? Tell me what you really wanna be, baby. Talk to me. I don't really like people downstairs. Everything kinda fuck up over here, but I'm just gonna time. Get some feet and some bottle. I'm trying to vibe with you. Spend a night with you. The mother niggas not gonna do it how I do. I can put me trust inside. I can put me trust inside. I don't slush shade, free country. The niggas smelling my stay and they don't stay. Like I'm in my bed tonight. You can get it if you had it, right? I think you gotta come with those, yeah Feeling kinda uncomfortable, but I make it work, I ain't built up small I ain't tryna be with your bro, man I'm just tryna walk out of the room with my bro, man Get it on, get sad, come on, yeah That's all I'm trying to say Be good, stop, babe Stay cold, stop, race Gotta fuck it up the way That's all I'm trying to say Be good, stop, babe Stay cold, stop, race Gotta fuck it up the way